Alrighty then, hello everyone, welcome to the One Night Podcast, episode 12. What's up, Tersh, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good, we're just chilling, glad to be back. We've had quite the layoff, this is our first episode since the beginning of November, so yeah. Yeah, yeah dude, the fans, the fans were knocking on my door, they were frothing at the mouth, they were, uh, <laughs> they were asking me bro, hey, when are you guys gonna drop the next episode? Yeah, it was on high demand. Bigger yeah. demand than the PS5, some would yeah. say. Yeah, <laughs> dude, dude, my mom, my niece, uh, that hobo down the street, <laughs> they, were ask- they kept asking me, like, hey, come on, man, you guys need to step it up. Yeah, my hobo down the street, too, is like, where's my bologna sandwich and where's episode 12 of the podcast? <laughs> I was like, I got the bologna sandwich, episode 12 is on its way. Yeah. You had to had to call up the the big homie Terso and and say let's get it cracking. Yeah, we had to have like a a Godfather sit down. We had to <laughs> <laughs> make a, a request that that Ralph couldn't refuse, and that's why he's on here. Yeah, but he took the cannoli with him. <laughs> he's, he's he's bathing in cannolis right now. Um, for those of yeah. you who don't know, Ralph is our third co-host of the show. He is not here um, because he is tending to his goats. Ralph is a farmer and he has lots of goats. Yeah. (laughs) A big bye to you, Ralph, and your goats. Yeah. Shout out out to Ralph, wherever (laughs) he may be. Somewhere out in Northern California, eating oranges and talking to his goats. (laughs) Someday he'll he'll be back. Yeah. All right, should we uh, should we get it popping? Yeah, let's let's get it. Let's get it bracketing. So this um, this Mandalorian season two has got us got us hyped, and it's one of the reasons why we wanted to get it get this podcast back and running because we wanted to talk about it. So that's going to be one of our main central points this episode. We want to talk about season two. We want to wrap it up a little bit. Talk behind the scenes casting. A uh, bit of the controversies that some of the some of the cast has has been through on Twitter. Uh, we're also going to look into the future when it comes to some of the shows that Disney's going to put out later on. And um, yeah, we're also going to talk about Marvel and their future, like all these new Disney Plus shows that are coming out, such as. Uh, What's it called? Winter Soldier and Falcon, uh, WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The what If series, animated series. Exactly. We're going to just touch on those a little bit. Um, we want to talk about the MCU a little bit, the diversification in the MCU. Um, we're going to transition into HBO Max. We're going to talk about the movies that are going to premiere on the streaming service next year. <clears throat> yes. And uh, we're, after that, we're going to talk about little gaming. We're going to talk about the whole Cyberpunk 2077 <laughs> fiasco. 
That's it's a it's a shit storm, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good old time. Yeah, For somebody that's not uh, invested in the game and hasn't really been invested in it. It's, it's just fun to just sit back and eat popcorn. And yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I feel. Exactly what I feel about it. Um, we're gonna talk about next gen consoles, the PS5 mostly, since that's the one we have first hand experience with. Um. When it comes to the Switch, we're going to talk about the new character for Smash Brothers, Sephiroth, and our hands-on gameplay with him. And then Terso, you want to... Or we could talk about sports as well. We're going to talk about boxing. Recently, we had some big boxing matches. Uh, Canelo versus Callum Smith. Triple G versus Sarah Meta. That was a little um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Logan Paul versus Mayweather. We have to touch on that topic. I know it's... I know some people hate it. I know Terso feels one strong way about it. <laughs> Very strongly. Yeah, so let's start off with Mandalorian Season 2 and your thoughts on it, Terso. Um, I think Season 2, like, exceeded expectations. <laughs> I think they went, they went way above and beyond what anybody had really anticipated. Uh, the amount of world building that they did with all the different it seemed like they were going to a different planet like every episode they're introducing new characters and giving them enough time to to develop um nothing really felt like rushed or forest everything just felt like it was organically happening and you're just kind of like going along for the ride and every episode is just a new adventure and yeah i think the the whole new season was a 10 out of a 10 there isn't anything i could really be nitpicky about yeah um, same i agree yeah yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, i agree it's like to downplay it in any way yeah and um i wanted to talk about a little bit how it came to be and i know you sort of told me this story but i want our listeners to also get a chance to know about it a little bit um how john favreau and dave filoni came to be and how dave filoni got you know got this huge opportunity to work on this live-action Star Wars show. Because he, he he was the one that started off with doing um, Clone Wars and Rebels, correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah, so can you talk about how that came together? Because uh, I think it's a cool story for... Mm. Just to set up how The Mandalorian came to be, you know? Yeah, so... Um, I guess for, like, original, like, Star Wars context, as far as, like, The Mandalorian, it kind of goes back to the Clone Wars series. Um, like, Mandalore was a planet, and that, that's where they all, like, derive from. That's where you're seeing, you're seeing different uh, types of Mandalorians in the show. Um, so, basically, with Dave Filoni, he worked on the Avatar show uh, on Nickelodeon, and George Lucas apparently was, like, a big fan um, of the show. So he had one of his people contact Dave Filoni. And at the time, Dave Filoni thought, like, somebody was just, like, pulling his leg. <laughs> he thought... Uh, he he talks about it, and it's, like, a behind-the-scenes series of The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. I think oh. it's called, like, Gallery or something. Like, Star Wars uh. Gallery, something like that. It's, it's there. If you have Disney+, Plus, you can watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's pretty much just, like, a roundtable. He's talking to the other directors that have been working on Mandalorian, and he was saying, like... Oh, I thought it was the the SpongeBob people calling me since the SpongeBob people from the Nickelodeon studio like messing with him, pretending that they were somebody <laughs> from Lucasfilms trying to get in contact with them. 
So at first yeah. he's like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't believe you. And then like, no, like George Lucas wants to talk to you as like the secretary calling default. And he's like, no, and like then afterwards he's like, wait, wait a minute. Like you're serious. Like yeah. George Lucas wants to meet with me. So he ends up meeting with him. Um, and I guess in his interaction with George Lucas, uh, he, he based their conversation like around star Wars, like asking him like in this negotiation of, having you like take over this clone war series that um that i want to put out like how would a jedi handle this this conversation <laughs> so yeah he those Dude, he said the story is just like oh dang <laughs> that is such like i like that george lucas like went about doing it that way because it shows he he still cares uh about his uh, star wars ip and you know what yeah. happens to it but it's such a nerdy way of going about it too <laughs> you know yeah so can you prove which lightsaber he would bring to the meeting like what color would it be and how would you how would you talk to me if you were a jedi like it's so nerdy dude <laughs> yeah it is pretty nerdy. like it's something that like a super hardcore like star wars geek would do like, yeah role-playing like a freaking jedi interaction yeah um yeah. Like he really wanted to find somebody that was just like as passionate as he is about Star Wars. Yeah, and I think you know, he's he's proven that with the the work that they've they've put into the Mandalorian, um, and what he did with the Clone Wars as well. A lot of like hardcore Star Wars fans really hold the the Clone Wars in in high regard. Mm-hmm. Some people yeah. like it more than the actual movies. So I've I've heard something like that. Yeah, yeah. I've heard so. He's yeah. like the executive like director of of the clone Wars series so that's kind of how he transitioned from clone wars to mandalorian now and he's kind of like one of the heads of star wars going forward yeah dude but this this, i think it's such an amazing story like i wanted you to tell it because it blows my mind it's like you're working on this i don't know if you want to call it a kid's show but then you get like promoted to now you're you're working on this major motion like live action series the star wars series like one of the biggest uh, like the biggest I, movie franchise. Yeah, it's it's so insane to me. Like, the first and now series of it. Like. Yeah, and now he can. I'm pretty sure, like in the future, he's probably gonna get a shot at making like an, a full major motion movie from this. Yeah, I'm sure this is probably like his his like testing the waters. Like, all right, let's see how you handle like actual live action because that's something that he talks about too in that series on Disney mm-hmm. Plus. Um, is just his transitioning from animated uh, series with the Clone Wars to live action with the Mandalorian. And he talks about how like John Favreau really helped him out with a lot of that. Cause John is somebody who's been around for a really long time like, yeah. and he has like a, an amazing body of work. Like this guy can do no wrong. Like his worst movie is like the Lion King remake. Yeah. <laughs> like so many people have really bad movies and that's mm-hmm. like his words like his he just creates great content so yeah i think this is definitely like kind of setting him up to make some be a part of star wars films in the future yeah and and just so we um put put this clearly like they they work in tandem you know favron feloni on this they're like they, they work in tandem. They're like a tag team, you know? It feels like Favreau is more in charge of, like, the casting and maybe the direction of the show. 
And then Filoni is in charge more of like the the actual writing. Or yeah. can you I, can you uh, chime in on this? I think John Favreau actually wrote the Mandalorian story. Oh, um, okay. I I would I would imagine that maybe John Favreau is the one like setting up all the pieces, and Dave Filoni is the one that's moving them. You know? Writing writing in all the details yeah. as well, because I know Favreau came up with the idea of uh, Baby Yoda. Now we all know he's his name is Grogu. So I know that I know that much. Yeah, because if you look on the credits after each episode, it'll say like Mandalorian written by John Favreau. Yeah, and I think All that right, was like yeah. in the original trailer when, like, the original teaser trailer of the Mandalorian. It was like a new story by by John Favreau. Yeah. All right, so we've sort of set that up. Um, we watched the season finale. Uh, it was crazy, right? Like, can you? Well, what did you think? What were your thoughts? It just caught me off guard. <laughs> I, I, yeah. wasn't, I didn't know what to do with myself at the time. Yeah, yeah. I was um, just sitting there like, oh, oh, next week. Yeah, yeah. Like, they set up, like, such a climactic moment where you literally had no idea, like, what's going to happen. Uh, they left it. They just set that up, like, masterfully, really. And even, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not a huge like extended universe like hardcore star wars fan so i was like wondering like who could that be you know like is it is it asuka is she coming back no that can't be that can't be right like i was wondering is are they really going to be able to take on all these like dark troopers like i i was literally at, at the edge of my seat dude yeah like they really i think from all the previous episodes like you just you just like have to expect the unexpected <laughs> pretty much mm-hmm. And um, it's just it just left so much so much room for possibilities. Like uh, when when he has the battle with uh, Moth Gideon, and he takes the dark saber, and he's just kind of like, oh well, that's interesting. Let's see what happens next. And like the way they just showed how strong the dark troopers are with Mando just yeah, kinda, like, I love that by him. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I just um, yeah, yeah. I love that. I thought. They they were definitely they definitely felt like overpowered like this overpowering force you know and make makes me think like why, why did they create more of them like they could have they could have really done some damage like Seriously. going forward like where the fuck where, where where is this technology and where did it go why didn't Kylo have these foods <laughs> yeah like yeah well what were, what were his henchmen called the uh, the Knights the, of Ren. Yeah, yo, oh, those dudes God. were scrubs. They were scrubs, dude. He should have just got on some dark troopers, dude. dude. Those, like, were, those were trash. Like, <laughs> they literally would just show up and, like, stand at a mountain and just look cool. Like, never even fight. And then they just got dumpstered right at the end. And, and then in The Force Awakens, they build them up in this flashback, and you're like, yo, these guys are going to do some damage. Look at them. They have the Knights of Ren. Da 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 da. And then, you know, they just sort of, like, jobbed out. <laughs> they just, like, healed over and died. Like, what the heck yeah but yeah so yeah so uh so season ends with uh luke skywalker making his triumphant return and saving the day man what did you think of that i thought it was really cool how they set it up just knowing that they haven't they they hadn't really introduced any major characters from the original trilogy aside from like boba fett like, I can't think mm-hmm. of any other character that they really talked about. Like, they 
just the fact that they they slightly mention things like when in the episode with Ahsoka, how she mentioned, oh, uh, I think she she name dropped Yoda, right? She, I believe she, yeah, she I think, did. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, I think she name drops Yoda um, when they're talking about like Jedi and stuff, and like a small reference to to Anakin about like how the strongest Jedi. Like I seen what happens to them when they go to the dark side, but there isn't. Aside from that, there isn't too much like direct reference to main characters, and like Ahsoka yeah. is kind of just like a midway since she's a main character from the Clone Wars. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like you don't really have that expectation to see like C three PO or R two D two. Yeah, you know? like it's kind of like all right, this is kind of its own thing, dude. And yes, I love that. Like they created their own sauce, and they weren't. They didn't have to rely on the old characters to sort of make it great, you know? Yeah. I love I love that about The Mandalorian. Like, you, it could be its own standalone show. Like, that's how amazing it was. Yeah, like, you didn't even need to add Luke in there, but the fact that you did yeah. just, like, turns a 10 into a, an 11 out of 10. Yeah, and the whole setup for that was amazing. Like, there's so many... The, the show is so dense with details you kind of forget about how that went about. Like, in the previous episode, I believe, um, uh, Luke had to take Grogu to that stone, and Grogu had to call out to the Force and find his... Hopefully his master could uh, find them through the Force or whatever they... However they explain that, right? So, in that whole battle, you sort of forgot... I don't know about you, but I kind of sort of forgot he did that because how they came about and how the... Um, Moff Gideon came in and kidnapped him. So, in the next episode, we sort of get the payoff to that whole setup, you know? Yeah, and we completely, like, just disregard the fact, like... Yes. We, we, we completely devalue what Grogu was doing on that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I was like, <laughs> what the... Like, oh, well, that was nothing, he's just... He's just vibing, like... <laughs> yeah, dude, like, floating like a little green flubber, like, what the fuck, like... <laughs> But in reality, like, Luke is somewhere off yeah. in the galaxy, just gets like, a, oh, like, shoot, like, somebody yeah. needs me. <laughs> yeah, getting, getting chirped. And that's that's what's really cool about The Mandalorian, is like, you, you could go back to scenes from, from the previous shows and realize that they actually do have a lot of value to the, yeah. the yes. major arc of the, the story. Yeah. Um, and then the fact that we're, we're talking about that kind of reminds me of avengers uh infinity war what i realized now like that kind of like a similar situation how grogu was on the stone but it Uh had a purpose Uh uh-huh with infinity war do you remember when they had um they had vision and they were like downloading the stone from him for like yeah and they, they like gave everything they had and everybody died for that moment and yes that didn't equate to anything (laughs) <laughs> did it yeah yeah no it didn't equate to anything but i feel like the show will probably fill in the gaps for that wandavision show but yeah, i guess that's, but yeah, at the same awesome. time at the same time it makes the movie a little it makes it feel incomplete yeah you're yeah. right on that so i think that's where you kind of have to like give mandalorian and like the team that works on that so much credit is that as opposed to other films where we see certain scenes set up just to end up being like completely irrelevant to yeah to the follow-up yeah you think about it, like, ju- they all gave their lives like for that big battle in wakanda 
<laughs> to get yeah. that information it just was i've always i mean we're sort of getting off on a tangent here but it's always bothered me how it feels like oh shit vision just got it like decapitated nobody really gives a hell <laughs> like like they just leave him in the talk about him uh. they leave him in the jungle dude <laughs> like they leave him <laughs> like what the hell he didn't get a funeral did it did they even mention him in like Endgame? <laughs> no. i don't think they did he didn't like, get, no, didn't no get a funeral like this guy was legit one of the stones <laughs> yeah yeah he was but one where... of the stones <laughs> like they're like, yo, that was so sad what happened in Vision. They're like, who? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's get back to yeah, like Star Wars here, uh, Mandalorian. Um, what did you think about Luke's uh, Luke's CGI face? That was a big talking point online. I mean, I noticed it right away. I'll admit, it kind of just took me out of the moment. I'm like, I kind of had to do a double take. I'm like, is, is there <laughs> something up with his mouth there? <laughs> huh? <laughs> Like it made me kind of question: Is this really Luke Skywalker? <laughs> I yeah, that's that thought. That, yeah, because when I first saw the glove, I was like, "Oh shoot, this is Luke." Well, by the way, can we like just go back a little bit and yeah, yeah. dude, they the way they went about building the suspense about this character and who it was. Like first, it was like it was like they were just giving you little clues here and there yeah. with each shot. First, it was the X wing, then it was the glove. Then it was the green lightsaber, and then you know, I think that was it. And then at the end, is uh, he uncloaks, and we see it's Luke Skywalker. Dude, that was just like masterful. It really was. That was just like great scene development. <laughs> yeah, and um, we talked a little about this like beforehand, like uh, when we we're like texting each other. It's crazy how how bad his face looked when. Disney, they have a technology for like really good de aging technology. Like we've seen that in what was it? What was the movie Iron Man three when uh, with Tony Stark, right? And then we've seen it in Ant Man. I think it's two or with one. I think Michael in both of them. Yeah, yeah, with the young Michael Douglas. And dude, movie. in those movies, you can barely tell they used any CGI to de age them. Like they looked so amazing. Like I. I can't believe they didn't like hit up anybody from those movies and were like, "Yo, like help us out a little bit, like help us make look good here." Seriously, especially considering it was such a short scene. I know, like, I'm pretty sure the show is so expensive. Like, they could afford it. Like, I can't imagine them, you know, not uh, fitting that into the budget. Yeah, like they made that freaking big sandworm that ate Boba Fett, like. <laughs> Dude, that guy looked crazy. He looked better than the freaking the Dune trailer. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. They're able to create that. Yeah. And can give Luke a freaking a better mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looked. He it kind of looked, looked like when he was talking, it kind of reminded me of like uh, Kung Fu films where like the, <laughs> the words are a little off. Yeah, where they, they dub over their lips yeah, and it's yeah. off. Yeah. But um, I feel like the moment was so big and yeah. it was built up so well that it didn't bother me like that much, you know? Mm -hmm. Personally, it didn't bother me that much. Yeah, I just appreciate the moment happening in the story. Like, mm -hmm. I could overlook. I, I, could, I could forgive that. That's CGI. Like, the fact that they went ahead and did that and brought Luke back and... You know, like yeah. that—that's the real Luke Skywalker. What yeah. we got in like Last Jedi, it was just like, 
who is this guy? He's just like a crazy <laughs> old man. <laughs> Fucking screaming at the clouds. He's just bitter and shit. And even Mark Hamill, like, I remember when Last Jedi came out, he was like, yeah. he wouldn't was, act this way, and he was in disagreement with the direction. He was very part. critical. I remember he was very critical of it, too, yeah. Yeah, so to, to see him, like, get, like, to, to see them do Luke justice is just like, oh, man, like, this is what I wanted to see from the new trilogy, not what we got. Yeah. <laughs> Let me let me throw out a name to you. Um, I think his his name's Sebastian Stahl. Sebastian, oh, yeah. Stan- the Winter Soldier. The Winter Soldier. Like a lot of people are throwing his name out, where he could stand in for Luke Skywalker because you know he looks like a younger Mark Hamill. Like he looks like a younger Luke Skywalker. I think the fact that we have the technology to de age. You kind of just have to go with the actual actor since they're still around. Yeah, yeah. I think if you were to do a spinoff show mm-hmm. about Luke Skywalker, um, maybe like at a younger age, or I don't know, or like or whatever happened uh, after Episode Six, like him creating a Jedi Academy, then I think in that situation you could get Sebastian Stan. Yeah, but I think the fact that Mark Hamill is still around, you you should still use him, especially considering like like you said. Disney's done the de-aging with Michael Douglas and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Um, even, like, Martin Scorsese has used de-aging technology when he did The Irishman with all yeah. the, freaking, the old fogies. <laughs> he had uh, <laughs> Robert De Niro, like, back, like, 40 years old again, and Al Pacino and Joe Pesci. Uh, you know what's funny about The Irishman? Like, I- I've read certain reviews and... Uh, the de-aging technology on there is a little wonky too, but I've heard that sure, like their face, their faces look younger, but their body language and their yeah. gait—they still got that old man gait going to them, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no overcoming that. They still move like, <laughs> like a little rickety. But no, I, I think the de-aging was better in Irishman compared to how luke's came out so yeah like i I see where people are getting at when they like take jabs at it but it was it never took me out of the movie yeah like i didn't notice it right away yeah all right so i guess um did you want to touch on anything else about about that because i wanted to move into i guess john favreau and a little bit of how he went about hiring or casting his uh his cast um no i think i think that was it i think uh they did a really amazing job with season two and it's just gonna it just set the bar so high like what what can you do in season three now yeah it's, it's gonna be it, it's like it's hard it, like the show is just gonna have to live up to itself i mean yeah that's one thing i wanted to ask you like do you are you looking forward to season three as much with season three not including grogu he's not gonna be a big centerpiece in it are you just as excited i mean they left a little like breadcrumb there of like what's what's to come with the whole um with the dark saber and how mando has to how he's the rightful owner of that yeah. and what, what's in bo-katan yeah bo-katan how she wanted it and now he they have to fight it out like they left that open-ended you know so they can go there but are you just as excited for season three without grogu 
Yeah, I think what the show has successfully done is really diving into the expanded universe and introducing you to these new characters. So you're kind of, it's going to, I feel like it's going to get to the point where you're going to, you're going to forget that Grogu, like you're not, he's not going to be, the show's not going to be dependent on a Grogu appearance. I think it's going to do what Clone Wars was able to do and just, tell a great story and introduce these different characters and um do a lot of like a lot of what clone wars does is it's about the battle between the separatists and the the new republic and there's just a lot of back and forth and it's okay something else i wanted to talk about too was john favreau and the amount of clout he seems to have in the show like he hired people that nobody else would hire or look at like uh yeah. like bill like bill burr like he's a comedian <laughs> and he's gone on this famous rant against star wars dude like he back then i don't know if that was i don't know if he wanted to troll nerds and just piss them off but he he's gone on record saying he hates star wars and he was he was just completely uh criticizing the original trilogy and and Favreau's like, hey, I like this guy. Let's let's get him. Let's let's see if we can change his mind, you know. And um, it ended up being like really cool because obviously he knocked it out the park with Bill Burr, you know. Yeah, and he fit the role really well. Um, I feel like John Favreau has like an unconventional style. It's not just like a one a one set way to to make a TV series. It's not like all right, we got to get the super attractive. Uh, male lead, yeah. super attractive female supporting cast. Yeah. Like you know, it's just like he's getting all these random people and he's making it work, and then that's adding so much. Yeah, they're, they're they're really feeling into their characters. It really feels organic the way it happens. Yeah, I I, I really like that that sort of style of casting too because I don't know about you, but I've talked about this with Ralph too, um, our co-host. Uh, where the goat master, the goat master himself, um, (laughs) where if I see like the same people playing the sort of like the same arc, like archetype role, like over and over, like it's sort of like, like I don't get as excited to see them, you know, to see the same actors over and over. Like it's cool seeing like a fresh face in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Like. I really don't watch Tom Cruise movies because like yeah, like it's exactly the same thing every time. Like Jack Reacher, Mission Impossible. Like I'm not yeah. not to say that they're probably not like entertaining movies. It's just like yeah. it's the same actor. Like you want to see other people yeah, fill yeah. out those roles and give it like different life. And yeah, I think he did a really great job uh, of doing that with the cast. The only person I could say that's part of the cast that kind of does fit that that description is um i don't even know his real name freaking gustavo free gustavo frank from breaking bad from breaking bad because it seems like he's yeah. that character yeah you're right you're, you're right yeah it seems yeah you're right there yeah but um another like cool unorthodox casting was um like so- the wwe wrestler sasha banks um mm-hmm. as one of the other mandalorians like that's crazy because this this like she has wrestled. I don't think she has a lot of uh, like actor credits, like outside of you know outside of WWE. And from what I read online, was that Favreau saw her in an interview. You, do you know that show on YouTube, Hot Ones, where they eat those spicy wings? Yeah. 
So she, he saw her on that show, and she, he liked her look, and he called her up. He got in touch with her people, and that's how that came about, dude. Dang. Literally just that. He liked her look. He just has the eye for it, dude. Like, it's, yeah. it's crazy. He really, like, he just knows what's going to work. Yeah. He has, and like, he literally has, like, a sixth sense. Yeah. And something cool that was that where she applied her uh, wrestling knowledge was she actually did a tornado DDT. And that. Oh, on Boba Fett. And that, the last episode. Yeah, yeah. That was, like, yeah. so cool, I thought. Yeah, it yeah. didn't feel like a. It didn't feel like a cheesy, like, four-star, this is a wrestler, we have to do a wrestling move. Like, when yeah. The Rock first started doing movies. Oh, my God, he would always do The Rock Bottom. Dude. <laughs> Every single trailer, like, he's just The Rock Bottom. Like, are bottom? we yeah. like, He's The Rock, we know. What's that? Do you remember that movie with Sean asked? Was it Sean? I forgot the, the guy's Sean, name. Oh, Sean William Scott or something like Him, that. yeah. I was, just, I was just gonna say Stifler. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, The Rundown. Where he he does the rock bottom there, dude, and it's like, all right, come on. Yeah, but, um, I remember watching the movie, but I wasn't like, I was looking at it, but I wasn't watching. <laughs> I think he does it two times. I think he does the rock yeah. bottom two times. But anyway, um, another one of the cool like uh, casting choices was uh, Cara Cara Dune or uh, Gina Carano. It's mm-hmm. it's a, this one's also very interesting because Gina Carano. A little backstory on her was. Uh, she was a huge like MMA um, star, right? I mean, she had the look, she had like uh, good enough skill, and uh, a lot of Hollywood execs were looking were looking at her as the next breakout actress, you know, because she definitely had like a really like good look and uh, and just an just a overall good look, right? Yeah. So they actually made her the star of this movie called Haywire. I don't know if you've heard anything about this. No, I haven't heard it. But so they made her they made her the star of this show, Haywire, or this movie Haywire, and she she did such a terrible job in acting in that movie where they actually had her dub over her lines. Oh. Like this is an English speaking movie, dude, and they had to dub over <laughs> her lines. <laughs> oh. Like so after that whole fiasco, she says she was under a lot of stress and a lot of personal problems, and you know I don't doubt that. But after that, like nobody was ever gonna like look at her again yeah. as this, as this uh, you know like legit actress. So I think it's like really cool for John Favreau to be like you know I'm gonna give you another shot. We're gonna build you back up. And I think uh, there's an interview like floating around in the internet somewhere where he tells her like, hey. We're gonna change your trajectory. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna build you back up, and you know, prove you you got the acting chops. You know, dang. And yeah, it's like a really cool thing to do. And I think she she's she's gone on record and talked about it, and she gets like really emotional too. And uh, for what that character is, I think she does like a pretty good job of uh, at that. What do yeah. you think? Yeah, I was I was pretty intrigued when they introduced her in, in season one. Um, I thought it was a, a cool new character. Yeah. Um, you really don't get, like, the brawny female, like, yeah. um, kicking ass and stuff. So I thought that was cool um, yeah. that she played the role really well. Um, yeah. And then to kind of, like, add to that, the fact that he is, like, very unconventional with who he casts, like, he can easily go with, 
big name people you know yeah like, this is star yeah. wars like who's who's not gonna want to oh, yeah. star wars They're even like yeah. b-level B actors like you could easily fill out that that cast so the fact that he yeah. goes to the extent of watching the hot ones and yeah. recruiting sasha banks and <laughs> giving um gina caro whatever her name is another gina show. Carano. Yeah. yeah yeah that just um just speaks to to him as a freaking overseer of, of talent yeah it's yeah, yeah i mean this is the same guy that breathed life back into the marvel universe yeah with iron uh, man like he yeah. did iron man and kick-started the whole marvel freaking what we have now yeah um, dude but i also like the balls it takes to do that like yeah. you're working on star wars dude like your casting has to be on point. And this is like, uh, how about her? Like, she hasn't acted in like eight years. How about her? You know, like this could have easily gone yeah. really bad. Seriously, like you, you can imagine. Like you're like, hey, I'm gonna hire this person. Like, what do you mean you're gonna hire this person? Like, yeah. did you see their movie? <laughs> yeah. Imagine yeah. the conversation that you're having there. Just, but that just shows the amount of trust that they yeah. have in him. Show well. given his track record, and I think the only. The only hiccup that he's really had has been Lion King, but I feel like he was kind of forced into that by Disney. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't watch. Oh, dude, it's it was, it was bad. Um, it's not that it's bad; it's just not impressive. It's just it's literally just a remake of Lion King. <laughs> yeah, with them, it kind of feels like you're watching National Geographic or something, and it just feels forced, like having Beyonce in there, and. Uh, Childish Gambino. I don't know. Yeah. It just it didn't. That was kind of like the opposite of this situation. Like he's yeah. like, oh, what are the most famous people? The the people that would drum up the most interest, and let's hire them. Yeah, you know. I feel like, but that was like, I feel like that was somebody else making that decision. Like, no, we have to do this. Yeah, Blindly, we have to sell as much as we can. We have to get Beyonce on the soundtrack, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. but when it's just him calling the shots. If yeah, it, like he he can do no wrong. Mm -hmm. But so, yeah, um, did you want to talk about uh, Cara Doom, like her? her yeah, character? that's. I was gonna transition into that. So go ahead and set up the scene. Um, huh. I I think you should. <laughs> okay, so we were talking about this and how someone or a famous actor's or actress's personal opinions can impact the show so for any of you guys that don't know like gina carano has tweeted a lot of controversial things when a couple of them that stood out to me were things that sort of uh they lean towards like being anti-mask and uh not wearing them like uh all that the whole mask issue being some sort of conspiracy and yeah. that just that in itself is kind of dangerous to put out there, you know, uh, just sort of dis dissuading people from not wearing masks. And I don't know. Have you seen other stuff? Like, well, what other things ha has she tweeted? Um, I think that was a big one. I think the other one was she was talking about um, voter fraud. Yeah, she was going in on that. She was basically... Um, it, her her tweets kind of look like a mini Trump esque, yeah. <laughs> to, to put it put it lightly, 
and uh, I know another thing. I couldn't find any specific examples, but she um she tweeted about uh like LGBT and how people put pronoun their preferred pronouns in their biography in their Twitter bio. And she's sort of poking fun at that. But I'm like, is that really the hornet's nest you want to kick? Like, yeah. come on. Like, so I, I think on hers, for a while, she put beep, boop, and beep. Just to, like, yeah. poke fun at that. So, I guess, and then it got us talking. And it's like, do, do her personal beliefs and, I guess, controversial opinions, do they affect how you view them in, in this TV show? Like, this amazing TV show, like... Give us your thoughts on that. It, it really did for me. Um, I feel like it kind of took me out of the investment in her character. Yeah. When she initially got introduced. I'm like, oh, cool. Now now Mando has this person that he could fall back on. They're going to just go and tear stuff up. And then as soon as she put out all those statements, like it's okay to have your opinions, but yeah. I think you have to present it in a way, um, especially when you're in the spotlight like that. Mm-hmm. That that isn't just going against the grain. Like you yeah. know that you're intentionally trying to just get people riled up. You're you're making yeah yeah. You're you're putting out your opinion in there that you know people are just gonna come at you. So mm-hmm. uh, when you're in a position like that, I just don't think it's it's good publicity. Like I know they usually say like uh, any publicity is good publicity, but I don't think mm-hmm. that's good publicity. Um. So mm-hmm. yeah, I kind of took out my my interest in her character. Uh, after I saw that stuff, I was kind of like, ah, if she gets eaten by the sandworm, it's all good. <laughs> um, do you know Shuri? Uh, well, you remember Shuri from Black Panther, right? Yes. She also posted things about being, like, like it was leaning towards being a little anti-vax. Mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this. Like, it definitely feels how... Like their personal beliefs bleed into the screen, and I feel like I can't take them as seriously anymore. Like, yeah. I, I, I just don't. I, I lose that investment in that character, like you said, you know. So, I, I kind of wish they would have that forethought, you know, where it's like, hey, like a lot of people really love and enjoy this show. Like, I'm making people like really happy. Like, do I really need to be saying all these all these controversial things? Yeah, it's like you're you're an actress. You're not uh, a politician. Like, like it's yeah. okay. To, it's okay to have your opinion, but you know, you're building up your fan base right now. You're part of this this show that's creating like a whole movement. Like everybody just loves this show and is like so invested in it. Like, just start off good. It's okay to have your opinions. Just come from the right place with it. Don't just be. She just seems like a a bully. Like <laughs> like in middle school, yeah. just the bully that's looking for a fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But um, yeah. So I mean, hopefully, season three. I don't know what whatever they do with. <laughs> yeah, another. I, I feel like I think there was another thing too where somebody, I, I read somewhere online that somebody said something offensive towards um Pedro Pascal, and huh? like um Gina Carano wished them like a happy birthday or something. <laughs> What the hell? Something along those lines, and it's just like uh, she's like she's like trying to troll, but in a very like boomer way. <laughs> if that yeah, makes any sense, yeah, like it's like an exactly. old man trying to troll. Like, <laughs> like when, when your vegan parents first get Facebook or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Um, we could talk. We I also wanted to talk about like the diversified cast in the Mandalorian. They had people from like all walks of life. Um, yeah, like they had an Asian actor. They had you know Pedro Pascal, who's like a Latino, and then they had in the like near the end of the season two, like it was just an all women battle troop there. You know, like what did you think of that? Yeah, that was the other thing I really want to give them credit for is the fact that they went like everybody was like a dif- different ethnicity in the the cast. <laughs> like, mm. That's it's so uncommon. You're you're so used to seeing um, casts that are like predominantly white for the most part, and you have the occasional like African American actor. Um, like especially with Star Wars, if you look back to the original trilogy, it was like yeah. Luke, Leia, Han Solo, and they're they were all white. And not not to yeah. say that there's anything wrong with that, but yeah. um, don't, don't get us canceled. <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> you're just not accustomed to seeing that much diversity in the way that it happened here. Everybody yeah. looked like they fit into fit into their roles. You look at um, Gustavo Frank. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me uh, let me look up his real name. I feel bad. I, uh, what is Ring. it? Uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Are yeah, you, there you oh go. My gosh, that's a name. And he's from Chile, and I think Pedro oh, Pascal yeah. is from from Chile too. I want to say. Really? Oh. Huh. Yeah, yeah. He's Chilean. So they're both Chilean. Cool. Um, you had the. I forgot her name, but the Asian girl that was like the sniper. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, Finnick or uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The fact that they went with so much diversity, even gender, as well with all having all the female Mandalorians. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I and, thought that was it was done really well. It didn't feel forced. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, that's one thing I wanted to jump in on. Like, there there are a lot of movies where it does feel forced, and these. These characters, they never get the exposition they deserve, you know? Like, it feels like, oh, a random black guy or the random brown guy. Yeah. Uh, that was added on. But they don't really get any shine or they don't get... They never say anything of substance. You get me? Yeah. It's just like, it's just like they're just there for support. Just so and, people of that community could be like, oh, hey, there's our uh, our character that's representing uh, us. Yes, yeah, so um, so yeah, it was like really cool, like you said, it was like really organic. Yeah, I give them kudos for that in the casting. Yeah. All right. So, do you, is there anything else you wanted to talk about when it, um, Star Wars related, or do you think we should move on? Um. Yeah, I think we're good there. We touched on an actor like their their personal beliefs for you do you feel like overall does it affect you and other other stuff too like let's say like tom cruise for example is like a hardcore scientologist do you see him as like a crazy scientologist when you watch like mission impossible or something or i just think because yeah he's a scientologist right but we he doesn't really talk about that in his personal life as much, you know? Like, it's not... Yeah, it's true. It's not very prevalent. So, to That's me, like, point. I'm... This, I don't know, you're gonna... This might be a little surprising to you, but I'm actually, like, a huge, like, Tom Cruise fan. Like, I love all the movies he's in. Like, they're, like, great popcorn flicks. So, that yeah. doesn't bother me at all, really. 
that's a really good point. The fact that it's kind of just his personal life, like that yeah. is his preference, but he's not forcing mm-hmm. it upon you. Um, yeah. But then you have people that have a platform and then they're kind of just looking to pick a fight. Yeah. So, yeah, that does differ. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and, and move on. All right, so Disney Plus has a new show, this new Marvel show premiering on January 15th. Uh, it's one division, so it follows, uh, I guess the the fo- the events after Endgame, right? And what happens to Wanda Maximoff and Vision? Uh, Tirso, like, what do you expect from this? Like, are you hyped? Do you expect like great quality from this? Um, what do, What do you think? Um, I feel like I feel like they've already achieved a lot of action in the Marvel films. And I feel like this is going to be their experiment at just going into like straight romance with it being offbeat. And like, I want to say like indie, it's going to be like an indie approach. Yeah. I think you mentioned like they want to attract, I guess a different crowd, like hipsters. You said, (laughs) yeah. From watching the trailer, it's like, ah, this is like freaking hipster, mm, like main chorus. (laughs) You know what? I actually didn't even think of that. Like, I for some reason I expect like oh it's gonna be it's it's superhero so I expect some fighting some crazy CGI like laser battles whatever right and I didn't even think about it's just gonna it might just be like a love story like exposition and background and what happened to Vision after Endgame you know yeah um and you haven't seen the trailer right and you're I I saw. I think I saw the first trailer, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think that's na- like I love Lucy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, you actually like took away all the excitement I had for it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so um, all right. What about Winter Soldier and oh, Captain Falcon and the Winter Soldier? How about that one? Um, I think it's gonna be good. I think Marvel has done a good job. I just. Showing, seeing the track record with like uh, the Russo brothers, and um, I'm not even sure who's going to be overseeing that show. Well, it's some, it's some dude named Malcolm Spellman. Oh, okay, that I don't really like, know who that uh, is. <laughs> Kevin Feige is an executive producer on WandaVision, so I'd imagine that he'd probably have some input on. Oh yeah, he has his, he has his name as executive producer on everything, dude, because he oversees everything. Yeah. So I, I mean, there's there's already that high expect like the there's already the set standard of what you have to produce with Marvel films, and they haven't really missed that. I would say. Yeah. So, do you have faith in these upcoming series then? Mm. Like, are you still I'm excited? Not, I'm not like. I I kind of feel like the Marvel wave died down a bit. I feel like. What do you mean? Like it was, it was just at such a high with infinity war and Endgame. Mm-hmm. um then we had spider-man and i just feel like it's just kind of died down like there isn't that huge desire and anticipation like there was before so i don't know if that's going to kind of take away from mm-hmm. the shows you I know see. Like I was just when when in after Infinity War and Endgame, I was just like thirsting for like more Marvel content. Yeah, and um, it was it was far from home, right? Yeah. Did that sort of satisfy your uh, that I guess that thirst or that that feeling? 
It kind of did, but it wasn't uh-huh. like, I don't know. You just kind of wanted to see the, the universe continue, you know? Yeah. Um. So I feel like you know, it's been a long delay, especially with Black Widow getting pushed back too. I feel like mm-hmm. they kind of missed the opportunity of just keeping that momentum going that mm-hmm. they already had. Um. They should have just put it out on Disney Plus like they did with Mulan, Mulan. and like they're doing for Soul, the the Pixar movie, and yeah, yeah. Woman now on HBO Max. So I think they really kind of missed that opportunity. So I, I feel like that's going to affect how big of an impact these new shows have. Yeah. Um, thinking about Winter Soldier and Captain Falcon, it would be Captain really Falcon. cool. Wait, isn't that... What did I say? You said Captain Falcon. What's his name again? For, the I Falcon, sorry. Falcon. No, it's just... I, I oh, uh, <laughs> It's like he becomes Captain America, like in the comics, <laughs> and in the movie, too, so I kind of got it mixed up there. Yeah, the Falcon. Um... It would be really cool if they continue that whole espionage sort of feel of it. You know, like, that would be really cool. Like, uh, Winter Soldier, I think, the movie Winter Soldier started that. It'd be cool if they could expound on that and keep that going. Like, think a show like Alias and 24, but way better with the Marvel characters. True. Yeah, I felt like Winter Winter Soldier is one of my favorite Marvel movies. Yeah, same here. Um, that whole vibe that it had, the whole the way they just developed the, his character, that was just, oh man, that was just such a good movie. Um, so yeah, if they could take that same approach and apply it to the show, then I, I think it could do do really well. But I mean, just the fact that I, I really like the Winter Soldier character. I'm not too like crazy about Falcon. Yeah, he's just kind of there for me. <laughs> like, he was a cool oh, supporting character in yeah, like, Captain America like, movies, but he wasn't wait. like, I wasn't uh, like, oh man, Falcon, like let's see you kick some ass. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Were you? Were you ever? I didn't. I wasn't excited for him either. Yeah, and it's not knocking against like his ability as an actor or anything. It's just yeah, they know. just didn't give him. They didn't give him enough to work with. Yeah. Like it was just like we touched on that a little bit. Like he's just just that. You know, supporting character. You can do it, Cap. <laughs> you throw that shield and you attack those bad guys. <laughs> but I think they can definitely create some cool scenes. If it's a continuation, like following uh, Endgame, then, um, and he has the shield, he, there's probably going to be some badass scenes of him, like, flying as a falcon with the shield and freaking tearing it up. I just realized I was saying Captain Falcon like the Super Smash Brothers character. Yeah, that's what I was laughing. Falcon Punch! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Winter Soldier and Captain Falcon. (laughs) (laughs) I just pictured it. (laughs) Yeah, so... You were talking... Oh, go ahead. No, also I think that the bar is set really high. Mandalorian, Mm -hmm. Mandalorian fucked it up for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta freaking, you gotta bring it real good. Mm -hmm. Because what other show are people watching on Disney Plus? Uh, like the Sim, the Simpsons, (laughs) (laughs) Hamilton. You keep talking about Hamilton. Hamilton, that's that's it. Yeah, like they have big shoes to fill. Right. to hold people over until the new 
Star Wars content comes out. Yeah, yeah. But um, I like, yeah, you mentioned uh, you wanted to keep that same excitement and itch from Infinity War and Endgame, and I do believe the upcoming Spider-Man is going to it's gonna fill that that itch for you. Um, it seems like all the old Spider-Mans are coming back, and they're gonna make this like great superhero team-up movie with all of yeah. them together. So we sick. have so we have Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland, and uh, what's the first one's name? Tobey Maguire. Tobey. Yeah. So that's gonna be exciting. It seems like they're gonna do a sort of like into the Spider-Verse type arc where. They're going to be traveling into different uh, timelines and they're all going to get together. Um, it's confirmed that even Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire is coming yeah. back. So they're, it seems like they're just pulling up, pulling out all the stops. I feel like they have to make this movie like three hours long. E- yeah, I mean... It, you kind of it, have to just take advantage of the... the- the chance to just just let it all happen. Imagine how many great scenes you can have with all these characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, they I, made it work with Endgame. You could do it with this. Yeah, yeah. Um, what what did you think as what did you think of Andrew Garfield as Spider Man? I thought he was good. Um, when I go back and I I, f- I feel like with those movies. Um, they did a better job of telling the story, the telling the love story. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that, like it actually hit me. Like when when Gwen Stacy died, I was like, oh, almost had, shed some man tears. <laughs> I was like, wow. you see her yeah. head hit the floor. Like, yeah, I was really like, I was really invested in their relationship watching those movies. <laughs> like, aside from whatever was going on with fucking Jamie Fox. <laughs> forget that like at least they they're the love story that they were telling in those movies was on point yeah J- jamie fox the electric walking smurf <laughs> dude that made no sense he's like i love spider-man like i hate spider-man <laughs> where did this transition happen like just because you didn't say hi to you or something and all of a sudden you just want to kill spider-man it was, that yeah. was just bad, but no, I feel like him as an actor, he did well. I feel like he did really well. Like him. Um, I just remember him being like very like broody and very emotional. Like I didn't get the like the quippy like comical mm-hmm. side with Spider Man. Like I know he had like some one liners, but I didn't get that sense of oh, this is Peter Parker. He's He's like, look at how, uh, like, the the verbal jabs he's taking at his villains, you know? Yeah, I, I could see that. I feel like Tom Holland is a perfect person yeah. of both. I yes. feel like if you go back and look at Tobey Maguire, like, if you go back and watch those movies, some of it just kind of makes me just cringe. Like, I just <laughs> start trembling. Start <laughs> trembling? Start oh. trembling, dude. I start having the shakes. I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> Please. Please tell me who wrote this. When he turned into uh, when the symbiote gets him and he oh, turns into dancing. like evil. Yeah. Oh my Co- god. Go give him some more cookies. Like that was supposed to be like a. I don't know what they were going with that. Like he's Dude. requesting cookies and he's being a badass. Like I don't. Get, I don't get it. I feel like they just took a big hit of crack and they're just. 
<laughs> All right, so what are we gonna do next? Just wrote complete gibberish. Yeah, but but yeah, um, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be really good. Hopefully, yeah, it, I it, have it, faith. It could, yeah, who's, who's have, the director uh, gonna be? Oh, geez, I don't, I don't know. Here, let me look it up. Cause that that's also gonna be important too. Like, who's gonna be freaking guiding this this madhouse? You're bringing back Joey Diaz and the the people on the train too. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I think definitely the movie they're probably gonna do a lot of callbacks to the original movies. I could see it kind of being like uh, they're probably gonna do use the same formula as Endgame. Where you go back and you see like the original scene from the first Avengers movie where they're fighting and Hulk is smashing stuff and he sees like he reacts to the way he's acting. Uh, the director's gonna be John Watts. Are you familiar with him? I'm not um, that familiar with I can't, him. I think he did. I want to say he did uh, Black Panther. No, oh, he did Far not. From Home. He did the previous. Uh-huh. Oh, and he's gonna do what they got. He's gonna do the Uncharted movie too. So, yeah. Interesting. Uh, Far from yeah. was good. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Um, what else? What else do you want to get into? As far as uh, Marvel, yeah. So those are the those are the shows. We'll we'll see how they go. Are you gonna Are you gonna watch WandaVision at midnight? Uh. Yeah, sure. I watch an episode at midnight. Like I, I it just ruined it for me a little bit. Uh, it's just gonna be a rom com, and uh, that's exactly what I feel like it's gonna be with some drama thrown into it. Really? Yeah, I feel like I feel like if MySpace was still around, you you would have people that would like get pictures of like from scenes from the show and like put it in there about me, and like put lines from the show on their their profile and stuff aesthetic yeah (laughs) basically but no we'll we'll see we'll see if uh all the marvel content how it stacks up given that mandalorian set such a high bar yeah yeah i mean speaking of the marvel content how about on the other side of the coin what about dc content ah yes the heavy hitters (laughs) the heavy hitters the what (laughs) The unanim- unanimously loved ones. <laughs> the big dogs. <laughs> yes. So HBO Max is going to premiere the Wonder Woman movie on December 25. Yes. Uh, yeah. Are you hyped for this? I actually am. I like, uh, from when I seen the the trailer initially, I was kind of yeah. hooked into it. It kind of gave me a Guardians of the Galaxy type mm-hmm. of vibe uh, from mm-hmm. the aesthetic of it. So yeah, I haven't. I still haven't seen the the first one, but I'm gonna watch it tomorrow, and then Ooh. I'll watch the actual the the sequel on Christmas Day. Yeah, like I think Gal Gadot does a, as an an amazing job as as Wonder Woman, dude. Like she has like, uh, like I keep using the word like gravitas, you know. Like she has like a commanding presence. Um, mm. yeah, I really I really loved all her scenes, like uh. Her and Chris Pine, dude, are just a really great duo, and um, I liked, I enjoyed most of the Wonder Woman movie, except the ending, the last battle against, well, I don't want to spoil it for you, but 
Uh, whatever. Uh, the last battle against Ares, which <laughs> leans a little too much on the <laughs> CGI. You're like, uh, <laughs> that's your fault. <laughs> Uh yeah, but other than that, like I think she's like amazing, amazing as Wonder Woman, and I'm looking forward to it. And Cheetah's gonna be the villain, and I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's it's a home run, and um, I, I DC needs like more home runs, you know? They really do. And I guess for all like people listening that aren't familiar with DC, like how would you describe the the villain in the new movie? Since you're, uh, she's she's. She's she's one of the yeah she's one of the main Wonder Woman villains if not her main one. Uh, she's like the just this ferocious like brawler. Uh, she uh, she resembles a cheetah pretty much. She's like an anamorphic cheetah, <laughs> you know. And she's she's ruthless. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. She's ruthless. She attacks anybody and anybody in her, any anyone and anybody in her way and. She's always been one of Wonder Woman's like main foes. Um, yeah. Um, Were the comic books good? Like, would you suggest reading? Uh, I like I like the New Fifty Two Wonder Woman that came out a couple years ago. I want to say like six and seven years ago, which sort of changes the origins of Wonder Woman a little bit. Like, gives it puts her in the in the Greek mythology a little bit more. So, if anybody wants to sort of catch up on Wonder Woman's uh, mythos, I definitely recommend the New 52 Wonder Woman. That's, like, really cool. I really, yeah, I recommend that. Interesting. And do you get the actual comic books, or do you, is there, like, an app that you can... No, I, I, like, I always like the physical comic mm. books. But yeah, there's, there's, there's a bunch of apps out there. I'm um, pretty sure... Universe, uh, you can read a bunch of comics on there, just not like the most recent ones. Oh, okay, that makes yeah. sense because they probably have to format it and stuff too. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. How much do they usually go for? Like, uh, like three. <laughs> it's like this is turning into your own personal <laughs> <laughs> questions podcast. Uh, they usually go for like three or four dollars. Hmm. And um, what most people don't realize is it can get pricey, but you, if you want, you could only follow like two or three or four comic books, you know, yeah. and they only come out, they only come out like once or once or two times a month. So it's not, it's not that bad in my opinion. Interesting. Yeah. No, cause I, I was kind of curious about like just comic books in general. Cause it seems like <laughs> these comic books, where do you buy them? <laughs> From. <laughs> give me the address <laughs> send me to the comic book man <laughs> no like yeah. i feel like dc that that that's probably more of their strong point as far as like it seems like they probably have the better comics than than marvel like marvel did create the good characters but maybe dc told the better stories in their comic books with like how highly people um and how high regard they have, like the Watchmen comic book. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I feel like most recently, DC is making more waves when it comes to their comics. Like they have this whole ongoing saga with their Death Metal run, which is, which is basically this huge, uh, these huge tie-in with everybody, everybody in the DC universe, and they're all most of the main heroes have a. 
death metal iteration to them. So like this rock and roll iteration to them. And it's like mm. really badass, really well done. I the design, just the d- designs themselves are like really creative and yeah. Like for anyone out there, like look up the Death Metal Wonder Woman iteration, and she looks amazing. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, go ahead. And also, like Batman has this overcoat oh, with spikes. Yeah, Batman has this overcoat with spikes on his shoulders, and Superman has like long hair. And yeah, it's really cool. I recommend that run for anybody too. That's pretty sick. Yeah, but do you, um, do you like looking at? Do you like reading the comics for like the illustrations? Is that what draws you more to it, or is, are the stories like really compelling? It's, it's it's both. It depends on the artist. If uh, there, I have like personal favorites, um, and yeah, it's a little bit of both. Honestly, that's a loaded question. I feel <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it depends. Yeah. So I'm a fan of some writers like heavily, and then. I'm like a huge fan of like some artists. So if they both get in one project, then obviously I'm definitely going to get that, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, one, uh, one comic book and artist team that I really like is, uh, what's his name? Uh, Snyder and, um, Snyder and Greg Capullo. Anything by them is going to be like amazing, like 10 out of 10. Like they, yeah, they worked on Batman. They had this classic Batman run like ten years ago, and that scene—it's pretty recent, but it's seen as the Batman run, you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think we've talked enough about like superheroes in TV and movies. You want to transition <laughs> to something else? All right, all right. You kind of had me. Had me intrigued. <laughs> I kind of feel like reading a comic book now. Yeah. The last yeah. one that I read was was The Watchmen. Last one I read was Archie. Back in my day. <laughs> <laughs> I read Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> oh, that Calvin was getting its trouble. I was pissing on everything. <laughs> Always on the back of so the decal in somebody's rear window. It's like pissing on Bernie Sanders or something. Like pissing on the Chevy symbol. Like yeah, just oh, yeah. That's so weird. That we are an interesting, interesting country. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess we can transition from that from uh, Wonder Woman and superheroes to the other uh, HBO Max films that are going to be releasing uh, yeah sure uh, which ones which ones were they do you do you have the list with you yeah um, so there, there's going to be a few there's just like Space Jam, Dune so basically the movies are going to be releasing simultaneously so they're going to be on HBO Max at the same time that they would release in theaters and then I think it's going to be for a limited time that you could watch it on HBO Max and then primarily you would see it in theaters but for that first month you can watch uh, Matrix Part 4 uh, Wonder Woman um pretty much all the oh suicide squad that was the other one that we had yeah 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 Yeah, so um yeah i guess to transition from wonder woman suicide squad 2 what are your expectations yeah so hbo max is also gonna premiere the suicide squad which is the sequel for from the 2016 version and i'm actually looking uh, forward to that movie because James Gunn from Guardians of the Galaxy is going to direct it and write it as well. And it all—it already looks like a home run, dude. Like, uh, John Cena is already going to get his own spinoff show um, from that 
uh, from that movie. So I have like high hopes for it already. What do you think? Yeah, I think given uh, what James Gunn did with the Guardians of the Galaxy, um, he's kind of already, you know, proven that he can do like an ensemble movie and be successful with it. So the the only the only place to go is up from Suicide Squad Part One. Yeah, uh, yeah, it can't it can't get worse than that. But I think one uh, really good distinction is that this movie is going to be rated R. So I feel like James Gunn is going to have way more to play with. Ooh. You know, he's not going to have that leash, that Marvel leash. You know, yeah, like uh, that is true. Like a lot of his old stuff is known for being like gory and violent. So. It's gonna be cool, like, to see where he takes it, especially with this ragtag group that is sort of known for being violent and killing each other off, and just random stuff happening, like bombs going off in their heads. And it's gonna be cool to see, like, his comedic, you know, like, uh, touch on all that violence, you know. So, do you think it's gonna be kind of like a Deadpool approach? Uh, yes. But with like gore, I feel, yeah, yeah. But I just feel like Deadpool can get like a little annoying sometimes. Um, like it can get a little too much. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, yeah, he's like overbearing, like, but at least yeah, you yeah, have so yeah. many different characters that can change the vibe. Like, yeah, like he can be a little on the nose sometimes. Um, yeah. so so yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And um, Matrix Four is also coming out and. The one I'm looking forward to the most is the Justice League sec, uh, Snyder Cut, Ooh. which is, <laughs> I don't like that sound you made, but it's it's basically like he's doing a lot of, Zack Snyder himself, he's doing a lot of reshoots to make his version of what he wanted Justice League to be. Um, if, if nobody out there knows like what happened when he was shooting Justice League was that his son actually committed suicide, so he had to stop filming and stop directing and oh, tend damn. to yeah tend to his family's needs so what's his name stepped in the guy who did the first avengers movie um what's his name rocky bullwinkle yeah rocky bullwinkle so he steps in and, <laughs> yeah, let me look it up really quickly uh so well why don't you want to watch the justice league you haven't seen it yet there, um, so why not I, I tried to watch it i watched a little bit of it like I would say I got into like forty five minutes of it. It just wasn't like pulling me in. Like, mm-hmm. oh just, wow, it, my attention was just like elsewhere, mm. and I just didn't hear the greatest things about it. But I'll probably oh. give it another chance once the the Snyder cut comes out. Do you do you know mm-hmm. when it's supposed to come out? I feel like it's soon. It's, no, um, here let me look that up too. Because I kind of like put off watching um, Batman versus Superman for the same reason. <laughs> but Zack Snyder, he also did uh, the Watchmen movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so yeah, the creator was Josh Whedon. Um, oh, okay. So he, t- he took over when Zack Snyder, you know, left and um, had to take care of his family affairs. Yeah. And so imagine taking over when the movie is already like 60% shot, 60 to 70% shot. Like he had to take this mm. mishmash and make his own version. And that's just a recipe for disaster, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like you want to be able to see the whole thing through. 
Yeah, so uh, there's there's a ton of DC fans that were like, "Hey, release a Snyder cut. We want a Snyder cut." Um, and that's that's sort of how this came about. Like Snyder went back into the lab and did some reshoots, called some of the actors back to, you know, film different scenes, and we're gonna get his version like next year. Gonna get a lot of slow motion. <laughs> a lot of yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's going to be all the extended scenes, just people moving in slow motion or falling in slow motion. Yeah, and it's set to release March 2021. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I, I recently rewatched uh, the Watchmen movie, maybe like two months ago. It was really yeah. good. It was really good. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that one in a while. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would recommend it. So he's, I, I have faith in him. That yeah, this will come out good. All right, so that's enough about TVs and movies. You want to get into sports and your love of boxing? <laughs> yeah, let's get, in, let's get into some man shit, bro. <laughs> enough about the superhero <laughs> shit. It's not about this this fantasy bullshit, bro. <laughs> yeah, we about All to right. knuckle up, dog. <laughs> <laughs> set, up, set, up, set us up with uh, Canelo versus Callum Smith. Canelo versus uh, big mighty meaty, <laughs> meaty meaty. That sounds terrible. Callum yeah. Smith. <laughs> um, anyways. So yeah. Um, so Canelo fought Callum Smith recently. Callum Smith was the WBO um super middleweight champion, I wanna say. Uh one sixty eight. Uh he was undefeated. Canelo they fought. Um uh, he pretty much walked him down the entire fight. Uh, yeah. Callum Smith, the naturally bigger man, he's like six foot five. Um, Canelo, five foot eight, like T Rex arms compared to Callum Smith, yeah. is just walking this super grown man down for let's see, three like 36 minutes straight. And, oh. um, but I mean, to to kind of like. I guess to Callum Smith's credit, uh, I guess he had a really bad arm injury. Something happened with his his bicep or something. I seen a, like a quick glance of a picture afterwards. It looked pretty. Yeah, accurate. I saw that. It was like a crazy big old lump. Yeah. Um. But uh, I mean, yeah. Regardless, you kind of still have to do what you can to make a fight of it. But I guess he was kind of hindered in that aspect. Wait, so you're saying this injury happened before the fight? I don't know. I, I think it happened during the fight. I didn't mm. see anything look crazy on his arms beforehand. Mm. So I think Canelo probably just freaking popped his bicep or something from a punch because he wasn't really throwing. Um, but yeah, uh, that that was pretty uneventful fight. I don't know. What did you think about it? Um, It felt... Like we were watching this super high level skilled boxer Canelo versus someone just that just wasn't on his level, dude. Like it was, and I don't know. I was shocked to see this because it was like this Callum Smith dude is supposed to be like this champion, you know. And I was expecting something a lot more contentious, you know. And um, that wasn't the case, dude. Like at times Canelo was just like literally walking forward and eating his punches. Like, he was taking the punches right in the face, and Canelo was just walking forward. And uh, I don't know what's going on with that. You, I think you'll have to explain the difference in, like, scale gap there. And 
there's yeah go ahead yeah there's there's just so many divisions in boxing like so many sanctioning bodies um you have the wbo which i believe calm smith was the the champion uh you have the wbc which is the most widely recognized um for the casual audience most people recognize that belt it's the green belt um, and then you have the IBF. I would say IBF and WBC are the two most like prestigious titles mm-hmm. that you can have. And then you have the WWE belt with the spinner on it. Yeah, then that's basically the one that Callum Smith had. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's just a big difference in, in competition. Callum Smith, uh, if I look at his, his box rec um, of the fighters that he's fought, he's pretty much fought exclusively uh in the uk all of his fights uh, yeah nobody i mean he has one mutual opponent with canelo and rocky fielding um and canelo won that title from him by knocking him out but that was like another huge mismatch yeah um, so i mean you're not getting that world-class opposition it looks like he Oof. had one fight in the states back in 2014 he fought abraham hernandez who i've never heard of so Mm -hmm. i mean it's not like i I can't say that um calm smith was this like big boogeyman fighter like no discredit to his his career uh yeah he's accomplished um because it does take a lot to to do it to to do what he did um but nobody nobody knew about him yeah, if I can like jump in and do the old, the old fighter adage, it's like, man, there's levels to this shit. Like, yeah, it, it just seemed like, hey, like Callum Smith. I'm sure he's like an amazing boxer in his region and his federation. Yeah. And but like, just Canelo is just on another level, and it makes you think, like, who's are they cherry picking? You know, are they selecting? Uh, opponents that they know they can just walk through that they know are not going to be any danger to Canelo's career I say yes I feel like this has pretty much been the majority of Canelo's career Uh, the only fights where I can really say he was the underdog is uh, his fight with Mayweather and his fight with Triple G Mm. um but I mean, this is something that a lot of boxing fans just do in general. I mean, we always discredit <laughs> people's records, like Mayweather. Yeah. We'll always say, "Oh, well, he fought this fighter when they were past their prime," or "Oh, he had this uh, weight clause when he fought this fighter." So I mean, this this is just what boxing fans do. We always pick and choose. But I mean, if I go back and look at who Canelo has fought, so he fought Callum Smith in his last fight. Sergey Kovalev, who used to be the crusher, it just seemed like he was fighting just to get a paycheck, honestly. Like, he didn't yeah. even look like he was trying to hurt Canelo in their fight. Yeah. He was yeah. just safely boxing compared to in other fights when he fought, like, Andre yeah. Ward. He was going for the knockout. Like, he was yeah. landing big punches. He wasn't mm-hmm. doing that against Canelo. And yeah. I, I don't, I wouldn't say that Canelo's just this. I mean, he has. Uh, like he does have really amazing skills like he has great defense great offense great head movement like he has he has everything he's extremely consistent but i don't think it's to the point where he completely can disable his opponent Mm -hmm. it looks that way but i don't think that's really the case triple g landed clean on him 
in their in their two fights like it's not impossible to hit him he's not a mayweather he Mm -hmm. does certain mayweather-esque type movements but he's not fully a mayweather where he's just not getting tagged you can tag canelo um but it just seems like the fighters he fight just they refuse to hit him he boxed daniel jacobs daniel jacobs he's had a few highs but i mean he had a close fight with triple g but it wasn't um i don't know he he just but see i actually remember the daniel jacobs fight and that one felt more even like it felt like Canelo was challenged at least yeah that that was that was closer i i would say that yeah daniel jacobs is somebody that was more of a top uh middleweight at that time Mm -hmm. when they fought Mm -hmm. um but like you look at it it's not like daniel jacobs is gonna be like a hall of fame fighter like guaranteed Uh, it's possible i mean he has had a great career um then before that was rocky fielding which was like a complete mismatch two fights with triple g were a lot of people favor triple g in both fights Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that kind of sucks for Triple G is that his his legacy is kind of going to be tainted by his fights with Canelo. Like people mm-hmm. are going to just see the results of those two fights and not see how big Triple G was when he was like rising to stardom. And I think that's another good topic to bring up when it comes to Canelo and some of his bigger fights is the scorecards like he's had some scorecards that definitely raise eyebrows you know like uh his fight against mayweather um like we anybody that anybody with two eyes can see like that mayweather completely like dominated that fight when it comes to like uh when it comes to points and you know and we saw that scorecard what was it do you remember the score of one of the judges yeah it was like 118 112 or something or or canelo yeah, yeah, and that's like it really makes you think like what's going on, you know? Yeah. It just seems like the judges are always going to be in his favor cuz he's the the big money fighter. Mhm. Um and, and I think it happened with Triple G. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so. It, it sucks for for Triple G, um especially like the fact that Triple G called him out like so when he was when he was in his prime, Triple G was like he was fresh, you know. He's he's knocking everybody out. Yeah. Like Golden Boy and Canelo. I mean, they vacated a title when when Canelo he won he won the middleweight title from Miguel Cotto. Mm-hmm. He beat him. Triple G was the mandatory to fight for that title, and mm-hmm. then like the very next day, Canelo just vacated it. Wow. Yeah. And their excuse was like, "Oh, well, we need time to negotiate and blah blah blah." Like, come yeah. on, like you're just looking out for the best interest of your fighter and keeping his undefeated record. Well, not what well, he had. He already had the he already lost Mayweather. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just sustaining what his record is at that time. So instead of fighting triple G <clears throat> after Miguel Cotto, he ends up fighting Amir Khan. Mm-hmm. Amir Khan already been knocked out by Danny Garcia at 140 pounds. Mm-hmm. Amir Khan moved up to, I believe, like 154. No, he moved up to 160 to fight Canelo. This is a guy that got yeah. knocked out 20 pounds lower. Yeah, that's crazy. Dude, yeah, And he just got like freaking crucified by Canelo. 
Yeah. So how many how many weight classes was did he move up? How many how, how many was that? So he went from he went he's welterweight, super welterweight, light middleweight to middleweight, so like four weight classes. Yeah, that's that sounds crazy. Well, Amir Khan was fighting at welterweight at that time. So probably like mm. so super welterweight, um light middleweight. So three like three classes then I guess. Mm. Wow. But Amir Khan, like, everybody already knows, like, he's, like, uh, he has a glass chin. Like, that's his biggest weakness. Mm. So, it was only a matter, like, that was a completely safe fight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Liam Smith I, fought him. Liam Smith wasn't, I, like, uh, terror. Like, nobody was afraid of him. Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Yeah. Notoriously, like, slacking. Doesn't take his career seriously. Yeah. So... I actually, I, what I remember about the Amir Khan fight was was the post post fight interview where Amir Khan and his manager were like, "Hey, look at they're like judging Canelo. They're like, hey, look at look at Amir. He actually moved up and he took this this fight, which was a huge gamble. And now we want Canelo to do the same with Triple G. Why why doesn't he do it? Exactly. And instead, they just waited more time. <laughs> yeah." <laughs> Yeah, so... Yeah. I... Yeah. I just feel like the glamour and... They want to put, like, these great shows when it comes to boxing. They want to do, like, this huge event, this huge spectacle. They want to put the star in the forefront, but... They don't want to put out, like, the best quality fights. They don't want to put champion versus champions, you know? They want to... It's just a spectacle. They just want to put that up there, you know? Yeah, they just want to build up their best fighters. They'll yeah. Line them up against some random person you've never heard of from the UK. Mm-hmm. And tell you, oh, wow, they, they're they a champion. They're undefeated. And sell you on that as a casual fan. And for casual fans, like the first person they associate with boxing is Canelo. So yeah. Right away, like, oh, man, like this, this is probably like the best fighter in the world right here with Callum Smith. When nobody... I, I've never seen anybody rank Callum Smith in their like top ten pound for pound fighters like currently. Yeah, like never. I, I not until up, not up until this point had I heard about him when they announced the fight. And yeah, even me, I know a little bit about boxing, but I would still consider myself a casual. Like all that, all that sort of background planning and uh, building up, like it still gets me. It's still sort of catches me in that trap you know of like oh shit it's canelo he's the main draw like i need to catch this fight yeah because uh, like it still gets me you get it you, you know yeah and that that's that's what they're just gonna keep banking on is just <laughs> <laughs> pulling people in uh, pulling. Just, just based off of that yeah but i just like those last couple of fights dude just the after like uh, the effect I have of watching a Canelo fight is just like disgruntled. Like I'm not like, oh yeah. my god, I just saw the amazing. Except like the most recent ones were like his fights against Triple G. But besides that, I'm just like disgruntled. I'm like, really? They're, like he's fighting this guy who's not up to his level, you know? Yeah, and even in the fights where he does fight somebody that's like closer to his level of competition, he's not like completely dominating. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. the difference between Canelo 
and other prime fighters within their divisions. Like when you had the way Lomachenko is dominating people up until he lost to Tiafimo. The way Errol Spence dominates the people that he fights. Terrence Crawford. People, people like that are just like so much more skilled and appealing um, than Canelo, in my opinion. Yeah. Not to say that Canelo is not skilled, but I feel like when he yeah. fight, if he were to actually fight somebody at his level, it's not going to be as as much of a landslide as we've been seeing <laughs> with his fights. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. And that's what we saw with the Triple G fights. So yeah. I, I, I just don't hold him that high as like a pound for pound fighter. Yeah. Um, personally, like he, he is up there for sure, but. I mean, I give him credit for his consistency. He's always been consistent with always performing and doing just enough to to get the wins. Um, but I, I just I need to see for for me to really like have the validation for for Canelo's boxing career in this year. I need to see him fight either Caleb Plant or David Benavides because those are the actual like two top fighters at 168. Preferably David Benavides if. David Benavidez already called him out on uh, on Instagram. He's like, yo, let's make this fight happen. Yeah. Dude, that guy, he's a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> David Benavidez right. is a big boy, and he's just straight knocking people out. He Ooh. fights at 168. He's the real top dog at 168. Do you see that fight happening? Is it? I don't think so. Uh, just oh. <laughs> knowing Canelo's track record, he's not going to do it. He's going to make uh. some other fight happen. Um, maybe at middleweight or something. I mean, they, I think his his trainer already announced that they were planning to fight in February against some random guy, um, mm. some contender for for his current belt, and then maybe a, a fight with uh, Billy Joe Saunders in May. Mm. Um, something along those lines. So, I think they already have their plan set in place. Uh, um, oh, that's yeah. Scary. I mean, if if he were to really prove himself, fight David Benavides or fight. Um, one of the Charlo brothers, whichever one is the champion at one sixty. Mm. That's All it. Right. Those, if you have to clear out, you have to clear out your top competition. But Canelo has had a history of just jumping to a different weight class or jumping to a different fight for yeah. fighting an unknown, fighting for an unknown title against some unknown person, as opposed to fighting whoever the mandatory is within his division. So, yeah, we'll see. But um, the day before, Triple G fought, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Serrameta? Yeah, I think it was Serrameta. Yeah, dude, um, what'd you think of that? Dude, I thought Triple G looked good. Like, yeah. His head movement. Uh, he had so much better head movement than he's had like his whole career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He like notoriously, like when he was first on his tear of like just knocking everybody out, he would just let people just straight up hit him in the face. Like, he just takes it. He just just eats it. Like he wanted to make a fight of it, but this fight, he was like, like his old man powers kicked in. Like, let me fight smarter. Like, just moving his head around. He looked really yeah. good. But I, my fear is that if he does fight um, Canelo in a third fight, he's gonna end up gassing out because he kind of looked like he was breathing heavily. Yes. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I thought he looked. Good. I mean, his power was still there. He dropped that guy like five times. Eesh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember watching it now. It just it was a it was that one brutal fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were t- we were texting during the fight, and I was like, dude, this needs to get stopped. Like, yeah. it's just 
that dude had like yeah. nothing going for him like it was just yeah like, it was one-sided but that just goes to show that triple g is still triple g Mm-hmm. He looked way better than he did in his Dervianchenko fight. Dervianchenko fight, he just looked like he had aged. Here, he actually looked like he was incorporating boxing skills more. So that mm. was good to see. And he's he's already thirty eight. Um, that's like old in boxing years. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens next. I mean, if he doesn't fight Canelo, I think Charlo would be a good fight for him. Oh, um, yeah, that would be a banger. But yeah, we'll see what happens. <clears throat> I mean, I could, I could see that happening where they end up um, having that, like maybe another double header, like they did Friday, Saturday, mm-hmm. um, Cinco de Mayo weekend. Maybe they mm-hmm. have Triple G fight Charlo on Friday and then Canelo fight Rando on Saturday <laughs> <laughs> and then set up the, the, the trilogy for September. Yeah. Independence Day, Mexican Independence yeah, Day. Yeah. Is it happening again? Canelo, clear your ca- clear your calendar for Cinco de Mayo and Independence Day for the next ten years. <laughs> Basically, like he just took <laughs> over the Mayweather schedule. Yeah. Oh, did he have that schedule too? Yeah, that's what Mayweather would do. Ah. All right. Like, so did you want to touch on anything else on, uh, um, with Triple G's career? Yeah, as far as tri- Triple G, I don't know. I get I get kind of sad sometimes because I feel like he's just not going to get the the proper recognition that he deserves. For for those of us that witnessed it when it was happening, when he was just cleaning out the middleweight division, like just knocking everybody out, like it was a spectacle. Like that was like a, like a once in a lifetime type of thing when you you're just seeing him just knocking out these like top prospects and nobody mm-hmm. wanted to fight him. like he was just he was just the, the feared fighter and it mm-hmm. sucks that he got so delayed by these canelo fights and i feel like that's just gonna be like the the black mark on his career mm-hmm. like, people are gonna they're just gonna see a draw they're not gonna see how the fight actually played out mm-hmm. and they're gonna see a canelo win which is just completely, it just makes it look like Canelo was the better fighter when in reality he wasn't. Mm. I think Prime Triple G knocks out Prime Canelo for sure. Ooh. But they let him age. You better be careful <laughs> or you're going to get all the deals angry at you. <laughs> nah, I don't care, dude. I remember one <laughs> uh, Triple G fight. I, uh, both fights I was rooting for Triple G when he fought Canelo. Ooh. Oh, really? I didn't... Yeah, no. Yeah, All right. I just feel like Anello's kind of has uh, a Mayweather presence in the sport. Yeah, yeah, it's not, getting not so to that point. Not, yeah, it's... not with the trash talking. Like he comes off, he says all the right things to to please his fans. But he's not. He's not hated like Mayweather. Does. Yeah, he doesn't do anything crazy like that. But yeah, there's a little smugness there, and I don't know. He just, yeah. I just I just um, don't like how they handled the whole Triple G fight, but it happened. I know, I mean, deep down, anybody who watches that first fight knows that Triple G should have won it. That was the story of the fight. Was, was that where that famous, where that judge got famous for all the wrong reasons, Adelaide Bird? Mm, I'm not sure if she judged the first Triple G fight. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
but she i mean she got famous off that was the mayweather fight i think oh okay yeah yeah but uh yeah we'll, we'll see what happens i mean as far another thing with boxing um i guess terrence crawford and errol spencer moving on from each other oh <laughs> that was like the big the big matchup like the biggest fight you can make of the welterweight mm-hmm. division the welterweight is pretty much like the like the the glamour division of boxing mm. that's where um manny pacquiao fought mayweather fought so that's kind of like you know the exclusive division for for really high level boxing and you have two fighters completely in their prime both undefeated two different promoters and they're just not going to make the fight happen oh wow you're right i'm checking up the the top 10 here the, the the ring world rankings and they're all like top guys: Errol Spence, Terence Crawford, Pacquiao, Thurman, Porter, Danny Garcia. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The only other wow. person in the conversation with them, oddly enough, is Manny Pacquiao. Mm-hmm. It's Terence Crawford, Errol Spence, Manny Pacquiao. If you can make any of those fights, that's crazy to even think that Manny is still at the top because he he does have one of the belts. Yeah, the WBA one, huh? Yeah, so, I mean, hopefully they can make at least one of those fights happen, whether it's Terrence Manny or Spence Manny. Yeah. But yeah, just uh, another sad thing with boxing with different promoters and fighters pricing themselves out. Mm -hmm. You would kind of hope that fighters would be more like, you know what, screw this it's not about the money like i'll take the 60 40 because apparently spence is saying that they offered him uh they offered crawford 40 and spence would take 60 since he's the mm-hmm. a side and he's the bigger draw mm-hmm. and <clears throat> crawford is like not not wanting that so mm-hmm. yeah you would you just kind of hope it would just be like you know what for the sake of competition let's put this money aside and just make this fight happen but yeah. it feels like it's just it's so much more of a business and I feel like that kind of carries carries out into to other sports as well as NBA and stuff like that. Wait, wait, how so? What do you mean? Um everybody's just looking for the biggest payday. Uh yeah, yeah. There is a percentage like a small percentage of people that will take the pay cuts to better their chances of winning, but if yeah. people can get the big payday they're going to go for that. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, any other boxing news aside from that is our boy Jake Paul. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. And Logan Paul fighting Mayweather. Um, yeah. Yeah, but maybe we could go. We could go into that another time. I don't know if now's a good oh. time to. <laughs> Do you want to? You want to talk about it? Um. Yeah. I just think we should knock it out while we're here. All right. All right, so do the Paul brothers fighting in these high-profile bouts, does it detract from boxing as a sport? Does it, is this like, is it, is this a circus show that you want to, that you want to watch? I feel like it's, um, it's kind of like you have the NBA Mm -hmm. and like the Lakers are playing at Staples Center. Mm-hmm. And then, like every other Saturday, you have like the Harlem Globetrotters playing at Staples Center, <laughs> and they're playing the Washington Nationals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, basically yeah. what it is. It's just a show. 
uh, I'm not watching the the Paul brothers to see some high level boxing. I'm just watching freaking uh, a circus act. Yeah, like, mastered the art of trolling and mm-hmm. like garnering so much attention that you can't help but look at it and squint your eyes and be like, why am I even watching this? Yeah. But I guess people that are more like optimistic, they think that these guys have such a huge following that wouldn't necessarily be boxing fans from their YouTube, from their YouTube viewers. Right. So do you think like some of those would carry over or stay and become boxing fans? Would it attract casuals? I don't think so. I think I think there's always been this narrative that boxing's dying. Like, it's just part of it. Like, for years, I go back and listen to... I watch old fights or something or old interviews and people are talking, oh, boxing's dying. And, like, it's kind of like hip-hop, too. People are always saying, like, hip-hop's dying. Like, <laughs> like it's just a narrative that people just like to, to speak on. But I feel like boxing... <laughs> has just always managed to just keep the same consistent fan base. Like, the fan base has stayed the same. It doesn't matter what they do. It just kind of just stays the same. I can't say, like, I've seen more more boxing fans now, or maybe even less now compared to, like, growing up, people would get, like, the Tyson fight or the, the De La Hoya fight. Yeah. Um, so, it's... I think there's less people invested in it, but I wouldn't say, I think the people that are fans of Logan and Jake Paul, they're just, they want to see all the build up to the fight. It's not so much about, Oh man, let me see some badass boxing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not interested in the sweet science of boxing. They're interested yeah. in the drama that's going to come and who <laughs> talks shit about yeah. whose wife and so on and so on. Yeah. They're interested in this, in the sweet science of shit talking. <laughs> yeah, I think like with Jake Paul, uh, I think he was trying to get a fight with who was it? Connor. I think he was trying to get a f- Connor. Uh, yeah, a fight with against Connor, and he pulled up to one of uh, Connor McGregor's sparring partner, the guy who he does Brazilian jiu jitsu with, and he threw like water balloons at him. <laughs> like Jeez. really? Like come on, man. That's so lame. It's so like childish yeah so uh you in middle school or something yeah yeah it's just i'm not i'm not excited for it either like i feel after watching though jake paul what's it jake paul versus nate what's nate robinson yeah i i felt like i was gonna watch something a bit more exciting i was just like yeah you fight someone who's had a couple of, of boxing uh, classes against someone who hasn't isn't very entertaining. <laughs> it was a shit show. It was it was a shit show. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. Like <laughs> you're just seeing Nate like stutter stepping and hugging <laughs> Jake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like what what fighting tactic is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was just bad. But I mean, Jake had enough presence of mind to know. Like how to like counter punch and stuff, and that's why yeah. Nate ended up Dude, how he ended up. You know what I thought was interesting was how everybody like made so much fun. They just poked 
fun and made all these memes at Nate Robinson, but nobody really worried about his health. Like, dude took, like, some nasty shots, and his head literally bounced off that ring, dude. It's crazy that he called that. <laughs> like, yeah. Before the fight, said, I'm going to bounce your head off the ring like a like a basketball. Yeah, yikes. And he came yeah. out to the, to the, we're playing basketball. So. Uh, that, that's a big oof. That was an L. Yeah. <clears throat> but I give Nate the credit for um for actually doing it and stepping in there. Um that How about this? That takes a lot to do. I I, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to potentially like end up in the hospital, like you have your, your family, like your life that you live, and you're putting that all at risk just to fight a YouTuber. Yeah. <laughs> no. Hey. See, with that said, though, like, do you give credit to Jake Paul and Logan Paul for doing it? Because they were just, like, YouTubers. They don't have to do that. They're set. They could keep making their stupid video, throwing, I don't know, whatever they do, filming dead people in the forest or whatever. Uh, so do, do you do you give them any credit for stepping into the boxing ring? Yeah, you have to give credit to anybody that gets in, that's, like, gets involved in any combat sport. Uh, yeah. Whether it's MMA or boxing, it you just it takes a lot. You mm-hmm. look at the people that are professionals in the sports. A lot of them they don't come up. They don't come from the best backgrounds, you know. Yeah. Um. They have maybe like really hard childhood. Um. You look at somebody like Gervonta Tank Davis. I believe like his dad was in jail and like mom passed away or something like that like it's just really like troubled past like it, it takes a lot to decide you know what like this is what i want to do for a living yeah so yeah to participate in something like that that requires so much um <clears throat> mental fortitude mm-hmm. uh i i do give credit there but I, mm-hmm. I like i don't like them as people but i do give them credit <laughs> for being able to to do that because i wouldn't i would honestly wouldn't um do like a sparring match how much how much money would it take for you to do a sparring match i just wouldn't like it's too much of, you oh, never know like a million dollars a million dollars nah really unless if there's maybe like headgear or something i'll probably just like take a knee and be like all right <laughs> <laughs> give me my money i'm out not i seen um there was a, a fighter that fought for rock nation when jay-z was trying to do um he was trying to do like a a fighting like he was trying to pr- promote fighters basically um a, aside from doing like records um there was like rock nation sports yeah i remember that yeah one of his fighters like ended up like permanently disabled really oh wow yeah dude it's sad you see him like leading up to the fight he was perfectly fine and now he's kind of like dude. bedridden and um he didn't even get support from Rock Nation at that time. And wow. Post pictures, like holding signs. Like, I think he had like a GoFundMe page. <clears throat> it was pretty bad. So, when you see things like that, it kind of just like puts it into perspective of how dangerous the sport can be. Yeah. Yeah. At any level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Logan Paul's going to knock out Mayweather uh, in two rounds. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, 
But, um, I, I mean, even though they are set, like, with YouTube and stuff, I think they're just, they're just trying to make as much money as they can, to be honest. I think part of, I, I, I do think they want to be just taken more seriously, because I feel like the, we all know they get mo- the majority of their money from catering to, like, little kids. And now, like, with they're stepping into the ring and i feel like it has generated a lot of interest from a whole new demographic they wouldn't be able to reach before just my personal opinion Mm -hmm. but i don't think they care like what people think of them like i don't think they want to be i don't think they care if they're like respected by people in like sports and stuff you know I mm. feel like they're like, all right, we already created like our dumbass characters. <laughs> like we're already so committed to this. Like, what's the best thing we can do? What do people want to do? They want to see us get beat up. All right, well let's let's. How much how much would you want to beat me up for? You know, it's just like the next like YouTube challenge that they could do. YouTube challenge. Basically, dude, you think about it. Like, hey, can you, Connor, will you beat me up for fifty million dollars? Yeah. Think about how many less YouTube videos they would have to make if they just do that one fight. Yeah, you know what I think. I it's also kind of sad when it comes from a fight fan perspective because I think of like, hey, like Mayweather's in a fight. Like, if he's gonna go through this, why not just fight someone like an actual fighter? Like, same thing with Connor. If he takes a fight with these dudes, like. That takes time to set up. That that could be a fight camp for an actual good fight he could have in the UFC, you know? So basically that detracts from an actual opponent they could have. Do you think that? Let me see that one more time. Like, they take... The Paul Brothers could actually take a contender's spot. Like, so an actual mm-hmm. fighter's spot. Because... Yeah. And that whole, that whole planning process... They could they could be doing a fight camp. They could be getting ready for an actual fight. Like, do you think they take someone else's spot, like an actual fighter? No, yeah, I think definitely. Um, but I mean, they just have already have that platform where they can get away with it because they just have mm. such a big following. That's kind of like the numbers. Just do the talking. Like, if you have the numbers to back it up, then you can just yeah. do whatever you want to do. Mm. Um, but I think it, it. I think it eventually will get to a point where it's going to be like all right well now like fight an actual professional boxer and it's just going to get iced yeah like it's going to get to that point like well people are going to keep asking in interviews well how come you fought uh so and so uh what was the name of the guy that i sent you oh ben Askren. yeah why why'd you fight him if he's not even a good striker why don't you fight a real boxer all right well my next fight i'm gonna fight this amateur fighter blah 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 yeah, and then that's when we'll really see like, oh shit, and just get pieced up. Mm-hmm. I mean, Logan already lost to KSI. I don't even know who the hell KSI was until that freaking fight, <laughs> and KSI wasn't an actual boxer, so yeah, um, it's gonna it's gonna come to a stop at some point. Yeah, they're gonna yeah, get, they're gonna get pieced up. Yeah, um, yeah, it's only so long you can you can keep it up for, but uh, yeah, I, I think it, it kind of like takes away from the actual sport like this is becoming a bigger extravaganza than the actual like top fights that are happening. yeah that's yeah yeah it's like um it's like you're you're playing a game of basketball 
Uh-huh. And then you have that one friend that's always just trying to be funny and trying to get everybody's attention. And everybody's having like a serious game, um, mm-hmm. getting really into it. And then he just yeah. like grabs the ball and he just starts like running around in circles with it. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, dude, we're trying to play basketball. And he's just like, uh-huh. like oh, just doing something <laughs> fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. That's, that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think that's uh, I think that's that about wraps up our podcast, right? We've yeah, yeah, yeah. we're we're pretty we're pretty knee deep. <laughs> yeah. All right, you want to wrap it up? All right. Shout out to West Coast Customs, y'all. Y'all be hooking me up. Got my rims looking right. Got the got the Chevy on the levee. Shout outs to all our sponsors, um, Fago Root Beer, Fanta. Wanna Fanta? Mm-hmm. Dr. Pib. Dr. Pib. The, the knockoff Dr. Pepper. I love that. Shasta. Shasta. Has to, has to, oh, you gotta say the line, dude. They paid us to say the line. Yeah. Has to be Shasta. Has to be Shasta. <laughs> RC Cola. Um, don't remember the slogan, but gotta be RC. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And Nintendo, if you can send us some Amiibos. Our good old friend Ralph back at the ranch is really looking forward to some. Yeah. All right. Uh, We'll see y'all next week. All right. Peace out, everybody. See ya. Peace.